Would you stand with me for the reading of God's Word? Turn with me to the book of Galatians, chapter number five. So we're continuing week number two of a series called Signpost. And I want to start reading with verse number 16. It says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what the sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of the sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Amen. But, oh, don't you love the buts in the Bible? <laughs> but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Holy Spirit, do your work today. In and through me, but in and through every single person. May we not hold up the truth of your word and walk away unchanged. Oh, may it penetrate deep down inside and bring forth fruit unto repentance. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. This past week was a first in the Fouts family. Last weekend, Friday and Saturday, I took my son Gavin, and then he brought his two sons, my grandchildren, and we went on a camping trip. Camping trips are always an adventure, not knowing what you're going to get weather and just all the variables. But when you bring a child that just turned three and another one that's one years of age, oh, it's interesting. And then he also brought his friend and neighbor with him who has also two very small children, which we doubled the trouble. And it was the perfect day. We couldn't have asked for any better as we were around the campfire in the evening and just enjoying the kids are playing, um, eating, just, just a wonderful temperature's perfect. It's not going to get too cold in that night. Uh, no rain is expected. It's just going to be wonderful. 
We finally put the kids to bed around 9 p.m. They normally go to bed around 7.30. I got them in bed at 9 o'clock. And then us men sat around the fire a little bit and just talked. Till about 11 o'clock plus, and then we decided, hey, we better probably go ahead and get to bed because the boys are going to be waking up early probably too. And so we, we went to bed. Uh, I grabbed my phone as I laid there, and I was reading some. I was needing to get some reading done and reading and just a little bit of writing. Uh, about a midnight, um, I noticed that the wind began to pick up, and it continued to pick up. But by 1 a.m. in the morning, it was howling. It was blowing fiercely. We were in, me and Gavin and his two boys, in a two-person pup tent with all four of us. And it sets low to the ground, very small. And so it wasn't being impacted quite as much, though it was shaking too, as the other. But the, his neighbor's tent is like an eight-person tent that stood up really tall. And the wind was just, I thought it was going to become a cot at any moment with them in it. Until it got to the point around 1.15, it literally ripped up the stakes and then the tent just kind of folds over on itself and he comes out of the tent. We come out of the tent. We realize, okay, we've got to restake this down. We were doing everything we could can to stake it down. The wind was blowing so hard. And as I got back to bed that night and laid down, I thought of the verse where Jesus is with Nicodemus late at night and he's talking about the spirit and he says these words, the wind blows wherever it wants. Just as you can hear the wind, but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going. So you can't explain how people are born of the spirit. Today on the signpost series, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit as a signpost for the believer in Christ Jesus. It's very important to distinguish and understand what is the Holy Spirit. Jesus said very clearly that God is spirit. So the Holy Spirit is God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, the triune. And, and some people, it's just kind of hard to understand and wrap your mind around. And for all of us, I don't think we can fully grasp who God is and all that he means. And so, but... but but I think we get this image of God the Father. We have Father. That Father kind of strikes an image. God the Son. We have these images of a man that walked among us. But God the Holy Spirit can be kind of freakish to some people. It can kind of be scary to some. And also, depending on the environments, church environments you may have grown up in, or if not, it's just totally foreign completely to you. But all of us have our misconceptions or ideas of the Holy Spirit. In regards to the Trinity, let me explain it this way. Water is water, H2O. H2O comes in different forms, right? You got H2O as a solid, you got H2O as a liquid, and you got H2O as vapor. But it's all what? H2O. It's all water. God is God. He comes in different forms. He moves in different ways. He, he works among our lives in different times and seasons, but he is still God working in and through us. And I want to give you just a few things about the Holy Spirit that I hope that you walk away with today. First off is this, the Holy Spirit's role in saving us. Let's look at that. When I was around four years of age, I was pushed into a deep end of a pool. 
by another kid. I did not know how to swim. And I remember that sinking feeling as I sunk to the bottom of the pool, crying out for help, but could not help myself. Fortunately, there was an adult close by that jumped in quickly, or the story could have been turning out differently. But I was saved, I was rescued, not of my own accord, not of my own doings, but somebody else saved me. Jesus Christ came to save your soul. He came to rescue you from the sin that you've been sinking in. But in the book of Galatians, you have a struggle that's going on because Paul has discipled these people and taught them that Jesus Christ is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. And that you're justified through Christ alone. But other teachers were coming along and they were adding to this message. They were saying, it's Jesus and circumcision. It's Jesus and following the laws of Moses. It's Jesus and, you don't add anything to it, it's Jesus, period, that saves. I was thinking about what they were dealing with, the circumcision. Everybody was scrutinized whether they were circumcised or not, and you're not truly saved until you're circumcised. I am so glad we have not implemented that here at North Church. But in Galatians chapter one and verse number four, he says, Jesus gave his life for our sins, just as God our Father planned in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. The key is believing in Jesus. And all the disciples struggled with that. Going all the way up to Jesus told them clearly what he was gonna do, that he came and he was gonna suffer and die and he would lay down his life and three days later he would raise it up again, but they didn't believe. Sometimes we talk about doubting Thomas and we kind of label him. The Bible didn't label him doubting Thomas, you did. We did, culture did. I think Jesus would have called him Honest Thomas. Because just like all the other disciples, they struggled even after Jesus' resurrection was announced by the women, they still didn't believe. They were still hiding out. They had to see and touch for themselves. And after all of them have seen and touched, Thomas was the only one left. And he says, no, I've got to see for myself. And then Jesus walks into the room, just kind of shows up in the room and says, here I am, Thomas. And he touches and he feels and he says, my Lord, my God. But Jesus says, oh, you have believed because you have seen Thomas, but blessed are those who have not seen, but yet believe. Believing is the key. Believing. Believing. I I believe that all of the evidence around the Resurrection that validates everything else about Jesus Christ. There is so much, there's literally hundreds if not thousands of people that actually were eyewitness accounts of seeing Jesus' resurrected body. And I believe in why the Bible wants so much to be emphasized on the resurrection because the resurrection is the crutch of everything. It is the crux of all of it. It validates everything. So that for generations to come, there would be so much evidence that points to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Right before Jesus ascended into heaven, He looks at his disciples and he says, receive ye the Holy Spirit. And he, what? Breathed on them the breath of life. You see, when God made man out of the dust of the ground, he breathed into man's nostrils and he became a conscious living being. When Jesus breathed the eternal life, man became a living, eternal being. That would be beyond the here and now. And I thought of the passage in Romans where Paul says it this way, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now lives inside of me. So literally for those disciples that day when God, when Jesus, God breathed into them the breath of life, 
the very spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now lived inside of them. Come on, do you realize for you, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, the very breath that breathed in you eternal life is the very breath that raised Jesus from the dead? Come on, what is impossible? My God says nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. Galatians chapter three says it this way. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you said with me, believed the message you heard about Christ. I ask you again in verse number five, he goes on and said, I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It is because you said with me, believe the message you heard about Christ. Not Jesus and something else. It's Jesus, period. You are not saved by how you behave. You are saved by what you believe. And the Spirit of God convinces us to believe in Jesus. You may, you may be here and you've never even heard these terms or first time in church ever, but let me tell you something. It doesn't matter if you've not heard of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit knows who you are. And the Holy Spirit is chasing you down. And the Holy Spirit cares for you. And the Holy Spirit wants the best for you. He is God among us, chasing you down to reveal to you and convince you of who Jesus Christ is and what he's done for you. Jesus said in John 15, he said that the Father would send the advocate that's the Holy Spirit. And he will testify of me. He will testify who? Of Jesus. You say, oh, I just showed up. That You showed up because the Holy Spirit drew you. You know, he said, no, 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 Bob invited me. Well, Bob invited you because the Holy Spirit told him to invite you. And the Holy Spirit used Bob to get you here so that you can hear the good news of Jesus Christ. That's how God works. The Spirit also not only wants to convince us, but he converts us when we believe in Jesus. You have Nicodemus who comes to Jesus at night. He says, what must I do to have eternal life? And he says, you must be born again. How can I, a man that is older, go back to my mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus says, no, 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 you don't understand. When a woman gives natural birth, she gives birth to human life. But when the spirit gives birth, he gives birth to eternal life. You gotta be born again, converted, become a new creation. The Holy Spirit also confirms in us that we're a follower of Jesus Christ when we believe in him. Confirms. In Romans chapter eight, it says it very clearly. It says that his spirit, the Holy Spirit, will bear witness with our spirit that we are sons and daughters of God. You know, sometimes I gotta be reminded that I stop God. God, remind me of that. Convince me again. And the Holy Spirit convinces me and confirms inside of me that I'm a child of God. That it's not based on how I'm feeling that day. It's not based on what I'm going through. It's based on what he has confirmed over me, that he has sealed me with his precious Holy Spirit. Mm. Also, the Holy Spirit works in sanctifying us. He doesn't just save us and leave us. He works in sanctifying us. I know for me, let me explain that word sanctification because it is a theological term that's used mainly in biblical and church circles, maybe some out there, but it's not as used as often. Uh, but whenever I drink tea, I drink tea daily, not 
not sweet tea, I will drink like a hot black tea in the morning, and then I will drink a chamomile tea at night. I get my little caffeine and warmth in the morning, then I get my sleepy time tea at night. And I'll drink that tea, but when I'm done with it, I immediately rinse out the cup and I will wash out the cup because if you don't, have you ever had stains on the cups? If you leave that there, it'll leave stains there. I'll wash it out in the morning and in the evening because I don't leave stains. What I'm doing is I'm purifying the cup. What, what, what happens when you experience the sanctifying work of God, it is the purification process. It is setting you apart. It is cleansing you. It is making you fresh and new. Come on, hear me. It is making you more like Jesus Christ. So the Holy Spirit's work is not just to save you and stamp your ticket to heaven, but he's wanting you to experience heaven on earth now. Do you realize that? When you walk in closeness to Jesus Christ, you experience heaven on earth today. Not waiting for the then and there. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. You see, while it is important what you believe because what you believe saves you, it's also important to understand that what you believe determines how you behave. And if you believe in Jesus, you're going to become more like Jesus. I'm not calling you to be perfect. I'm not saying you're not going to make mistakes. I am saying that you're in motion to become more like Jesus every day. John 16, Jesus says, and when he, the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of coming what? Judgment. So, and this is not just sin unto salvation, but even after salvation, the sins that we deal with. How many have sins that you still struggle with? And you know what? The Holy Spirit works in me to convict me of those things that I need to like give over to God. And then God's righteousness, right living. He wants me to continue to grow in right living. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, right living. And then everything else will fall into place. And then coming judgment. And some people struggle with that, the coming judgment. No, no, I understand that clearly. Because growing up as a teenager, there was a whole lot of things that I did not do because of the coming judgment from mom and dad. Can anybody relate to that? I'm like, I'm not going to do that because I don't want. And it wasn't because my fear for my mom and dad was a healthy fear and a love for them because they wanted what's best for me. And I choose to walk in righteousness because I know a coming judgment where I'm going to be judged for all the works that are done in the flesh. And I want to bring glory and honor to God. Scripture tells us in verse 17 that the sinful nature wants to do evil which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature. Do you see that struggle? That struggle that's going on? And sometimes we give up in the middle of the struggle. We give up because we feel like it's not worth it. We fail and mess up. No, no, don't give up. Proverbs 24 says that a righteous man falls seven times, but he gets back up. A righteous woman falls seven times, but they get back up. Come on, you know what the devil does? The moment you fall, he gives a whole, he said, if you were a Christian, you wouldn't do that. If you were a Christian, you wouldn't fall that way. If you were a Christian, come on, the devil is a liar and the father of lies. What you do is you get back up and you follow after Jesus. Ukrainian President Lazinski has been speaking something that I thought was very intriguing that all of his leaders have been speaking. He was being interviewed and he was asked the question about what if you lose? What if this, we don't, you don't win the war? And he says, 
No, we, we will win the war. And they keep, re, we, what if you don't, no, no. You're up against a superpower, power that's great. No, 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 we will win. There's no option. We will win. Let, let me just tell you something. As a child of God, you will win. Come on, it has already been sealed. The destination of Satan has already been established. You're gonna win. Don't look at the natural. Don't look at what you feel. Don't look at what you're going through. Realize that you're a child of God, join heirs with Jesus Christ, and you will win when it's said and done. Don't look at the moment. Look in the future and remind Satan of his destiny. Oh, you're a child of God, the king of kings. He continues on in verse number 17. He says, these two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you do not know how to carry out the good intentions. How many struggle with good intentions sometimes? You want, you have good intentions, but you just aren't doing them. All of us do. So last Thursday night after preaching we're going to go on this camping trip. So I'm going to drive to Tulsa, but I've got some meetings after uh, service. And so those meetings last till about 10, 15 at night, wrap up that meeting. And then I run to the house and grab the rest of my stuff and a dog. I'm taking care of my daughter, Annabeth's dog, and his name is Goose. And Goose is a pyramid, some type of shepherd pyramid, whatever it is. I always forget the name. But the dog, he's a puppy, but he already weighs 70 pounds. <laughs> he's enormous. And she got this cage. She got a, like a cloth cage to put him in when she travels and stuff. And he ripped that apart. <laughs> and so she had to get this big metal cage that stands about that tall, about that wide. It's enormous. And so I go home to load him up and I have to break down the cage, break it all down, put it in the back of the truck, load goose in the back part of the seats, raise up the seat so it can lay down and have its bed to sleep. And so I get in the vehicle, we drive to Tulsa. I get there to my son and daughter-in-law's house around 12, 15 at night. Pulled up, we, we sleep on the couch when we're there. And so I'm like, what am I gonna do with goose? What am I gonna do with him? So I take him into the garage. I set up that big cage. I think the garage is gonna be safe for him. I put him into the cage and kennel, and I go inside. The moment I shut the garage door, he begins to bark. And I'm talking, when my little dog at home that weighs five pounds begins to bark, you can barely eat, like, it's like a little soft bark. When Goose, the house began to shake. <laughs> I ran back out, because I'm like, because Gavin and them leave the door unlocked and set the alarm, and so I come in, just undo the alarm, and then lock the doors, and I'm like, great. What am I gonna do with this dog? So I take the dog out, tear down the cage, take the cage into the living room where I'm sleeping on the couch, set it right next to me, set the whole cage up, bring the dog in the house, because he's not gonna bark right next to me. He's gonna be safe, no, realize everything's okay. I take him in, put him into the cage. He's right there next to me. The moment I lay down and close my eyes, he begins to bark. I'm like, shut up, <laughs> shut up. He's not listening to me. I get up and open up the cage. He stops barking. I'm like, oh, what am I gonna do now? I'll put, take the cage out to the truck, open up the back seats and set the cage in there and just shut the truck door and he'll be back there and take the cage out and the cage won't fit. What am I gonna do now? I'm gonna put him into the back of the truck. I got, a, I got a top to my truck. I'm just gonna open up the tailgate, put him in there, and just leave him there. 
And so I, I go back and get him, and I'm walking out, and I take my hand off of his collar for just a moment, and Goose takes off. And here's the problem. It's, it's, now, it, it's now like 1.15 in the morning. I was already for bed. All I have on is my gym shorts. I don't have socks on. I don't have a t-shirt on. They're in a neighborhood in Midtown Tulsa, and I just walk out just to simply put the dog in there, and now dog is taking off. Do I go back inside to get my shoes? Do I go back inside to get my shirt? Or do I take off running like I am for this dog? And so I take off on a wild goose chase. Take, I go one block, I go two blocks, I'm yelling, but I'm trying not to yell too loud because then I don't want to look at the neighborhood. I'm getting almost to block three, and now I'm having thoughts, what if a police officer shows up? Oh, that'll be good. Pastor of North Church picked up with no clothes on, running around Midtown. Fortunately, he stops at a bush and begins to get sniffing. He's sniffing at a bush. I ran up. I grabbed his collar. I mean, I'm dragging him back, choking him out. I'm like, if he dies, he dies. I'm just, I'm just getting him back. I get him all back. I put down the tailgate. I loaded with that tailgate, shut the tailgate. I went to bed. Why do you tell that story? Because you know what? Your sinful nature can be a goose. Come on, your sinful nature can go off on tangents, running after its fleshly desires and wants whatever those may be. Come on, we gotta be careful. That's why we need the power of the Holy Spirit to sanctify us. That's why we need the power of the Holy Spirit to control us. That's why we need to submit daily to the work of God in our lives and say, God, I'm not following my desires because my desires lead me the wrong way. I'm not following my heart like some people say because your heart will lead you astray. You gotta follow after the Holy Spirit and follow where he is wanting to take you in life. Follow the Holy Spirit. It says in Galatians 3, how foolish can we be after starting your new lives in the Spirit? Why are you trying to become perfect by your own human effort? You see, the same Spirit that saves you is the same Spirit that sustains you and is the same spirit that sanctifies you. Somebody say amen. amen. Galatians 5, he says it this way. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. I've heard somebody say throughout the years that the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. Maybe so. But I think the Holy Spirit wants to be a gentleman. But if the Holy Spirit needs to, he will yank your chain to get your attention. He will grab you by the collar and say, nope, come follow him. Come on, follow me. Is, is anybody tracking with me on this? The Holy Spirit doesn't want you running off and doing things your way. And, no, no, no. You're now a child of God. You're created in his image. You're going to follow after him. The final thing is this. The Spirit's desire is for us to follow his leading. The Spirit's desire is for us to follow his leading. Not our leading, his leading. And to chase after him. In Galatians 1, Paul opens up by saying these words, you know what I was like when I followed the Jewish religion. 
Paul followed every 613 laws to the best he can. If anybody could keep it, I got a feeling he could, he got as close as anybody in the natural, but he couldn't do it. But his following led him down a path of destruction and hurt and pain and destroying other people's lives. He would later realize his depravity and say, I was the chief among sinners. Even though he was trying to follow the Jewish way of living and the laws, it wasn't going to work because only following after the Holy Spirit will bring life. And here's the thing. All of us are following something. You're either following your sports team. You're following your kids around playing sports. You're following, come on, your technology. You're following somebody famous that you love to listen to and the music that they bring. You're following after the dollar. You're following after your business. You're following after, people, we're following after something. You're following after that cute little girl. You're following after, we're following after something. We better be following first and foremost Jesus Christ. And we follow him through the work of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Look at this. Galatians chapter 5. It says, when you follow, Paul says, the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. And then there was the list of all of those sins. Wasn't, weren't they depressing listening to them? And it's easy for us to pick out some of those sins that really stand out to us and say, oh, I'm not that. I'm not that. I'm not that. I'm not that. And we kind of look at that as being other people. No, no, no. If I, I read very closely some of those, and some of those things I, I actually still struggle with. Dissensions, divisions, um, selfish ambition. I, I've got to keep that in check all the time because the goose in me wants to run off and get what I want out of life. But I've got to submit to the Holy Spirit and follow after him. I, I can't live for me. I've got to live for him. continues on and talks about another way to follow. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. What part of your life? No, no, we, we, no, we, no, 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 no. Let's, let's really be honest with ourselves in the parts that we want. No, no, we choose certain things and then we say, so we categorize. You don't do that. You don't compartmentalize the work of the Holy Spirit. No, no, he is all or not, nothing. I got to give everything to him every part of my life to him. And the evidence of that is a whole different story. It is the fruit of the Spirit. It is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Against such there is no what? In other words, they don't, that, hey, the government doesn't have to create any laws for those words. No, no, those are words that you don't have to have any laws to stop people from No, you encourage people to do those things. Follow. Our vision statement that we say at the end of our experiences at North Church is this. Say it with me. Love God. Love people. Follow Jesus. Say it one more time. Love God. Love people. Follow Jesus. How do you follow Jesus? You follow Jesus when you follow the Holy Spirit. Because when Jesus was walking in flesh, he was walking around and people followed him, physically followed him around. Jesus said, I must go. And they were discouraged about that. He said, but don't discourage because I'm going to send you God that's going to live in you. I was God with you, but I'm going to send God in you, the Holy Spirit in you. And you're going to follow the Holy Spirit's leading, the Holy Spirit's nudging. He will guide you into all truth. He will lead you in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He will begin to take you wherever you need to be taken. 
Isn't that good? Give me, God, I'll take. But I, I, I love how the NIV says this verse that I just read to you. Because it says that since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. There's imagery drawn here of a dance. You and God dancing. Mm. And isn't it just beautiful to see somebody who really knows how to dance? I, I like to dance, but it's not poetry in motion. It, 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 it's far from that. But have you, ever, have you ever seen a couple that just really are great at it? And it's just like beautiful to watch them move across a dance floor. And what he's saying here is that when you begin to follow the Spirit, it's like you and God dancing through life. And one thing I've learned, I know about dancing is this. Somebody has to take the lead. And when it comes dancing with God, you don't take the lead. He leads you. Oh, and you move through life. I got this video I want to show you. I need this still shot of uh, Gavin and Gideon. They were at a Oral Roberts University uh, soccer thing. They were doing an egg hunt, and they went to be a part of it, took the kids. So Gavin is there with Gideon. It was age-specific. So Haley is holding Eleanor, probably has her on her chest wrapped around her, and then he, she's holding on to the hand of Shepard, who's one years of age, because Shepard was not of age to be a part of this. And Shepard, though, had had enough and was determined to tear away from his mama to be a part of this and to follow what was going on. So watch this. Come on, give us some people who will run with reckless abandon after the Holy Spirit. Come on, give us some people hungry, 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 that are tired of the flesh, that are tired of the old sinful nature. They want Jesus, and they want to chase after him, and that means chasing after the Holy Spirit in your life. Come on, somebody. Give us somebody that's hungry, 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 hungry for more of God, hungry for the Holy Spirit in your life. Hallelujah. I want you to stand with me. Stand with me. If you read this closely in Galatians chapter number five, the two evidences, it gives the fruit of the Spirit, all signposts of the Holy Spirit. But he, he specifically nails down the two things. One, is the love that you have for other people. And then number two is the power of God at work among the people of God. North Church needs to be a place that every single person that walks in feels the love of Jesus. And when you're following the Holy Spirit, that love is gonna flow out of you to others. Not just the people that look like you, the people that are different from you. And then there's going to be a power, that power that flows out. We had, I had one lady come up to me just before the service, just before we walked into here, 
and shared with me that what is going, relatively new here, but she shared this. She said, you know what, pastor? I went up and been praying. Initially, it was like an online prayer request for a job and for her daughter and praying for her job that because she was without a job. And anyway, God provided a job that paid way more than the previous job had played. And it was evidence to her. She has a daughter that's, that's struggling. It's been running from God. But you know what? There's already signs of God working on that daughter. And I believe that daughter is going to have a transformation to come back to Jesus Christ. I got another one just that Carlos, our uh, prayer pastor, shared with me of somebody that came up just a couple of weeks ago for prayer with a son, Gabrielle, who has been, had pain in the neck for many weeks, severe pain, and was prayed for. And two days later, woke up with zero pain. God healed immediately. Come on, the power of God at work among the people of God is a sign of the Holy Spirit. These signs shall follow them that believe. These signs shall follow our prayer team is coming and making themselves available in Guthrie and Oklahoma City. I, I want to celebrate right now something we have going on. We've had a Lexington prison system. It watches what's going on here. I celebrate. Thank you, Freedom House. But we have another audience that's joining us, and that's Mabel Bassett. That's the Women's Correctional Center. Come on, would you give it up for them right now? Thank you for watching us. Glad to have you. What is it you have need of? There's nothing stopping the Holy Spirit. God gives the Spirit without measure, the Scripture says. Without measure. What is it you have need of? You need healing in your body? Come. You need direction in your life? Come. You need truth? You need answers? You need the fruit of the Spirit? Come. You need the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit? Come. You need to be saved? Come. You need to be following because you've been following your flesh instead of the Holy Spirit. You've been taking a wild goose chase. Come back to God. Let God do a work in your life. Amen? Father God, I pray right now by the power of your spirit, begin to fill this room, fill rooms everywhere. And God, begin to flow among us. We give you praise and glory and honor to your name because you are worthy. You and you alone are worthy. And so God, I pray right now as we begin to come, hungry people, hungry people, chasing after you, chasing after Jesus, wanting more of you. In your name I pray, amen, amen, amen. These altars are open. Don't sit back. Do like my little grandson, Shepherd. Chase, chase, run after the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit do a work in your life today. Don't leave the way you came. Leave change. Believe that God is still a miracle-working God today. Amen.